worshiping God this morning. It's good to be in his house this morning. Um, as we get started in our study this morning, I just, it kind of goes along with what I'm going to talk about. So I thought I might just say thank you to our worship team. Don't we have a great worship team here at the church? It's so great to have, have musicians and people that are using the gifts God's given them for his glory. Uh, I mean, I just, I love being able to worship with you guys. So thank you, Miranda and, and team. You guys are great. Um, you know, along that same line this morning, I, I want to preach to you about something that you probably associate with music most times. And I kind of want to begin by posing this question to you. What do you picture when I say instrument? What do you picture when I say instrument? If we can put the title of the message up, um, I think this is going to give us some insight to this question. What do you picture when I say instrument? The title this morning is I Am the Instrument. And, and what I, I hope we gain in insight and revelation as we go through this message this morning is that we are truly the instrument and instruments collectively of God working for His creative and divine purposes in the world. What do you picture when I say instrument? Your first thought as we've just you know, worshipped to, to a band playing many instruments, you may think of things like pianos or guitars or drums. Anybody in here who that was your first thought? One of those intr- instruments. You may also think of an orchestra if, if you like that kind of music or have listened or maybe you played in a school band at one time. Maybe you're thinking of trumpets or, or violins or tubas. Do we have any tuba people in in here or drummers or oh yeah front row praise the lord there's also i didn't know if you knew this there are some weird instruments out there and maybe it's not nice for me to say weird but just different you know there's some different instruments out there we got like the alphorn have you ever heard of that thing you ever seen like the ricola ads where there's the guy with that long thing and he's standing way back here and he goes ricola you know what i mean that long horn it's an instrument it's a little different. Do you know there are people that play the spoons? I mean, I wouldn't have thought the spoons could be in I mean, you can make anything an instrument that you want. You can make music with anything. You know, I was thinking about instruments as I was preparing this message. And, and what I kept coming back to is, you know, we have such a narrow view of what an instrument really is. You know, when I hear instrument, what I think of, what I picture is one of those things we've just discussed. I think about music. I think about pianos and guitars and drums. Uh, I even think maybe about people singing because a voice is an instrument as well. You know, I believe that in order for us to see ourselves in light of, of God utilizing us as instruments, we have to kind of expand our definition of instrument out a little bit. And so if we have that definition ready, uh, we can put that up. A definition of instrument. If we don't, that's okay. It'll be coming in a minute. It's uh, an instrument is a tool used for delicate work. A tool used for delicate work is how we could define an instrument. And when when I read that, when I think of an instrument in that term, it expands it out a whole lot further, doesn't it? No longer is an instrument restricted to something used for music. I mean, it's a fitting description for everything up here. I mean, it, it's delicate to, to play this keyboard. It's delicate to step on the uh, guitar, get on a guitar and play something. It's a delicate process. You might not think that drumming is a delicate process. I mean, it looks like he's just back there banging on stuff, right? But there, there is a, a finesse to doing it well. And praise the Lord, we've got great musicians that play with finesse, that play with a, a delicateness about the way they do it. But when we expand this out and we think about it in terms of it's, it's any tool, 
any, anything, maybe we could even say any, any person used for delicate work, it takes on a whole new meaning. You know, there are people that work in, in uh, professions with wood and construction and floors, and they use saws. A saw is an instrument of a trade. It's used for delicate work. I don't know if you've ever tried to do finish work on a house or finish trim out. It takes a delicate hand. It takes delicate tools. You can't just go in there with a sawzall and go hacking. I mean, you need to have a delicate touch, a delicate approach. There are welders that are, are skilled with their torch, and that torch is a tool of a delicate work, of a delicate trade. Paintbrushes, calculators, Tractors. Did you ever think a tractor could be a, a delicate instrument? Well, it is. You know, it's part of a, a delicate process where, where very specific things are done in a specific way. And I know I've seen some tractors today. They're not like tractors used to be. I mean, it's not a clutch, a gear, and a steering wheel. It's computers. I mean, it's a, it's a delicate process. It, it truly is an instrument um, of, of a profession. A pen is an instrument used for delicate work. Do you see that instrument takes on this new meaning? I promise I'm getting to the word. Okay, I promise we're getting to a point with this, but it's important that we see instrument in this way as, as we begin to see ourselves as the instruments of God. Can you see that if we're picturing ourselves in this way as a, a tool, I bet you never thought you were going to be defined as a tool in church, right? <laughs> and we mean it in a great way, I promise you that. You are utilized for delicate work of the Lord. You are a person that God wants to use as an instrument, as a tool for delicate work. How many of you know that there is delicate work to be done in our world? There is precise work that needs to be done in our world for the kingdom of heaven. That's what we were just talking about as we gave a minute ago, is that there is a work of the kingdom of heaven, a working of God that he wants to accomplish. And my encouragement for us today is that we are the ones he wants to accomplish it with. We are the instruments he wants to use to do his work in this world on behalf of his kingdom. I want to go to 2 Timothy 2 verse 20 as we begin to get into the word this morning. And this passage speaks to us as instruments. Now, I'm using the term instrument. There are a few others that we could substitute out. Obviously, we saw the definition that used the word tool a moment ago. We could also, we're going to look at this passage in different translations. says uh, utensils, or here we read it as a vessel. All of these things are instruments. Things, tools, objects, people used by God to complete a delicate work. We read 2 Timothy 2 verse 20. It says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. In a great house, there are vessels. That's where I want us to begin this morning. In a great house, there are vessels. Would you say that to somebody? In a great house... There are vessels. There are instruments. There are, you don't have to repeat all this, there are tools. There are people. Ones that God wants to use for honorable and some for dishonor. He wants to use us. In a great house is where I want to begin. The house that we're talking about this morning in 2 Timothy 2 verse 20. The house is God's kingdom. 
And we are the vessels. We're going to come back to that here in a moment, how we are the vessels. I'll give you a scripture about that. But first, I want to talk about that great house. We're in a great house. We are in the kingdom of God. How many of you know you're part of God's kingdom this morning? Matthew 16, verse 19, a scripture. I don't know if we read this when we were talking about Peter a few weeks ago. But right after Jesus had redefined Peter, which, by the way, as I'm getting into it, I just feel like it's so appropriate to point out that this builds right upon what we talked about the last three weeks, about gaining new definition for our life, seeing ourselves in a new light. Uh, Today, I'm giving you one of those definitions. I'm giving you a way that God's defined you this morning because I believe he said, hey, I've got something better for you. And this week he's saying, here's what it is. Isn't that good that God builds upon his word, that he adds to it and continues to take you further in understanding so that it's usable. Don't you like stuff that's usable? That you're equipped with this knowledge so that you can go and do something with it. I felt like that was encouraging to me. And I I, I don't, you know, I don't think a lot about what I'm going to preach. But I pray a lot about it. And I'm sensitive about it. And I I wouldn't have chosen to preach this, but I couldn't get away from it. And so that's why you're getting this message this morning. It wasn't because I was sitting in my office thinking, hmm, how could, I, how could I go on from what I preached last week and give them something else that builds on that? It wasn't me. I believe it was inspired by God that he said, hey, here's where I want you to go. And I didn't see it at first. I, I heard, you know, I am the instrument. I'm like, what is that? What does that even mean? And I begin studying it out and, and then it connects and I see, oh my gosh, it fits. Are you glad it fits? Are you glad to see this this morning? Let's go in and see how we're part of God's kingdom. Matthew 16, 19, what we talked about a few weeks ago, Jesus had redefined Peter. Here's what he says to Peter. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What I pick out of that, what I see just like glaringly loud for me is I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He's talking to Peter, someone who's been redefined, given new definition, who's come into relationship with Christ and being called to go do the work of the Lord. And he says, I've given you, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I believe that's true for us today. God has given us a key to his kingdom. You know, when I moved here a few months ago, I didn't have a house yet. And there was a period of time where I was living with grandma and grandpa. Praise the Lord for good family that'll let you live with them. And it was just kind of a funny note on that. One time, um, I don't remember who, if you're in here, then you can just laugh along with the rest of us. But one time a a couple came into church and and, uh, my introduction to them was, you know, hi, I'm I'm Isaac. Yeah, I'm the new pastor here. And we started talking about like our life or whatever. And and I said, yeah, I live with my grandparents. (laughs) And I walked away and I thought, man, that was not the right way to... (laughs) Not a great first impression. I mean, hey, uh, there's nothing wrong with living with your grandparents. And I love living with mine for the time. And I'm getting off track, so I'm going to get back to it. But the point is, when I lived with them, I had a key. I got the key because I was part of the house. And you and I have a key to the kingdom of God because we belong there. The word says that we are uh, inheritors. We have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. We've been adopted as sons and daughters in God's house, in his kingdom. And so you and I belong in the kingdom of God. And so when I read in 2 Timothy 2.20 about the great house where there are vessels, it fits that I am part of the house because I'm one of God's children. I'm one of these vessels. One of the first things I got to know is that I'm in the house. 
That I'm in the house. That I'm saved. That I have eternity to spend with Christ. If you don't know that, then none of this other stuff applies. If you don't have assurance that I'm in the house, if you're not sure I'm part of the kingdom, well then, you can't be used in the kingdom. You can't be used in the house if you're not part of the house, if you're not on the inside of the house. My encouragement today is that we are part of the house, part of the great house, the great kingdom of God's. Romans eleven six, another verse on this, talking about grace, because that's really what this is. It's, it's a message of grace in this portion. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. We are not part of God's house because of how effective we are as a vessel. Our effectiveness as an instrument of God does not depend, that doesn't make the decision on whether I'm in the kingdom or not. The vessel was in the house before it was ever used. The vessel is in the house by grace. Not by works. It says we, we were saved by grace. We've been brought into the house by grace. It's no longer of works. Otherwise, it's not grace. If I have to be an effective vessel, an effective instrument to get into the house, then I'm not in the house by grace. I'm in the house by my ability, by my work. And, you know, with, with physical things, like I, I play guitar, okay? And I've had a number of guitars over the years. There were some that I liked a lot better than others. And some of those guitars are no longer in my house. Okay? Some of those guitars have gotten thrown out because they weren't as nice or they didn't work good or they had an issue. Praise God that he doesn't look at us like guitars and nothing else. You know, I would say this just to kind of put it in context with that picture. If I purchased a guitar with the blood of my one and only son, that guitar would never leave my house. Is that true? If you paid the ultimate price you gave one of your only child for something that would never leave your house. I don't think it would ever leave my sight. I'm, I'd have a backpack on and I'd be carrying that thing with me because the value is so tremendous. That's how God sees us. He paid the ultimate price for us. He brought us into the house by paying this price. We're staying. He's not going to throw us out because we're defective. He's not going to throw us out onto the garbage heap because maybe I didn't meet the goal, meet the expectation. Oh, I didn't sound so good today. Oh, I didn't perform so good today. Oh, I didn't play so well today. I'm still in the house. I'm still a vessel that belongs to God because he paid the price to keep me there. We are in God's house. We're in God's house. You know, I thought about this too, kind of another example along that same line. Um, I've told this story about Titus, my little dog before, right? My Springer Spaniel, I told you some months ago, he had run away. Praise God, he came back and he's been loving life out at, out at the new house that I got. I'm living south of town on a little acreage now and it's just great. He's running and loving life. But one of the problems is it's springtime now and the ground is getting soft and muddy and he still loves to go run outside. And the house that I bought came with cream colored carpet. Are you seeing the problem? He loves spending time outside and running and getting dirty. But then when it's time to come in, I don't really want him in the house. I think, oh my gosh, my carpet is going to get destroyed. In fact, last night he got to come in the house when he was really muddy and the carpet got destroyed and there's mud everywhere. And here's the thing. 
Because I love him and care about him, I still let him in even though he's dirty. How much greater is God's love for you than my love for my little dog? It's a lot greater. God's love for you is much greater. And if, you know, I can find it in my heart to let my dirty dog come in the house. Well, when you look like a dirty dog, God still lets you in his house. He still brings you in the house because he loves you. And his love for you goes beyond the dirt in your life, the dirt on your life. Amen. It's by grace that we're in the house. So I want you to know this. As we go forward with this message today, um, I want you to see it and hear it in the context of grace. That as I talk about us being honored and and dishonored or honorable and dishonorable, moving up in levels of usability by God, I don't want you to take it to mean that if I don't move up and I don't become more effective for God, then I'm out of the house. You're in the house. You're in the house. And I want you to know that before we step into the rest of this. So this morning, if at some point in this message you feel challenged, praise the Lord, don't you love feeling challenged at church? Amen. If you feel challenged, and, and honestly, we... I think we all should. I mean, I read through this and I was way challenged. And I'm thinking, this is, this is so good. What I'm going to give you um, this morning, I have it written down in a certain way. The process of becoming aware of righteousness, or we could say the process of becoming a more effective vessel, a more effective instrument is what we're going to get to today. And so as we go through that, what I want you to know is that your effectiveness as an instrument of God does not depend, it doesn't make the difference on you being in the house or not. You're in the house by grace. Amen. And so we are the vessels. Getting on to the next point. We talked about the great house. If we want to put 2 Timothy uh, 2.20 up again, we're going to see the next part of the scripture. We're kind of breaking it down today. In a great house, he says, there are not only vessels of golden honor, but also wood and clay. There are not only vessels of one kind, but another kind. The next point that I, need, I think we need to know about this is that we are the vessels. I know I've been kind of emphasizing that and saying that over and over. I want to give you a scripture to back that up. Isn't it good when the preacher backs stuff up with scriptures? Ephesians 2.10 is the scripture I'd like us to use in this study this morning. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now again, I, I told you earlier, you probably didn't come to church thinking that I was going to like, you know, say we're, we're tools. I don't even feel comfortable saying that. That we're um, instruments. That's why I said instruments, because I like that verbiage better. Isn't that kind of like a nicer way to say it, that we're instruments? So I'm an instrument. I'm the instrument of God. I am the vessel. I am the tool that God uses to accomplish things. He says we're his workmanship. We are the instrument created in Christ Jesus for good works. You know, instruments are created for a purpose, for a good work. These instruments up here, well, their good work is to make beautiful music as we sing in praise of the King. The instruments on a tractor, like I was talking about earlier, are to get the highest yields out of a field that they possibly can. The instruments that a a person in manual labor use are to construct something that's solid and sturdy and lasting and can endure the test of time and look good and be built well. Instruments are designed with a purpose. You and I, believer, brother, sister, were designed and created with a purpose. We were created for a good work, as it says here in Ephesians 2.10. We were created, I believe this, with the intention of doing honorable works. 
See, what we're going to get to here today is, is that there is a difference between the honorable work and the dishonorable work. I believe that God's plan for your life is to move up and up and up into more and more honorable works all the time. I believe he's got better or greater for your tomorrow than what you're doing today. God wants to make you more honorable, shape you. We could say redefine you or refine you as we talked about the last few weeks. He wants to refine you into someone that can be used for a more honorable work tomorrow than what you're being used for today. And so as we look at honor and dishonor, I'm not going to preach this and, and say that, well, you know, some of you all were made for dishonorable things and that's just your lot in life. That's not what I get out of scripture when I read this, when I study this. And I think you're going to see it today too. We were all created for honorable works, but it is in, it's dependent on our ability to become aware of righteousness, our ability to become effective for God on whether we get to do the honorable works or we stay at a level of, of, of less honorable works in life. You know, dishonorable sounds kind of harsh, you know, and, and really the writer, the way he poses it, it's, it's either honorable or it's not. Well, there are levels I mean, it's not either you're this one or you're this one. There is a continual process throughout life where you're moving up in honorable. And just because we haven't reached all the way to the most honorable thing that God would have us to do yet, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm just dishonorable. I'm a dishonorable person. I don't want you to take that away tonight, today, this morning. What I want you to know is that God has greater that there is a more honorable work for your tomorrow than for today. No matter how old you are or how young you are, God has something more honorable for tomorrow than what he is using you for today. Praise the Lord. Vessels, he says, of, of gold and silver, also wood and clay. You know, I think this part of the teaching where he, he talks about Gold and, uh, gold and silver, wood and clay, honor versus dishonor. I believe that this is the balance um, to the teaching of, of grace. That he says, by grace you're saved through faith. Grace gets you in the house, but it's honor that gets you used for the honorable stuff. You know, we're in the house, praise the Lord. We've got salvation, praise the Lord. And what we're going to see here as, as we read on is that really it's, it's God's power in us that makes us able to do the honorable things. But we have a part in what work we get to do. We have a say in, in what kind of vessel we are. That's challenging, right? That I have a say. I, I, I make a difference in what kind of vessel I am. You know, honor, I believe, qualifies us for greater things. Taylor, would you bring that bag up here? I got something fun for you all this morning. Do you like doing fun things in church? It's okay to have fun in church, right? Okay, well, I got, I got a few things in here that I think are going to be kind of fun, so I hope you think so, too. Um, you know, I was, uh, did you notice that we've had some really nice weather these last couple days? I'll just bring it right out here. Anybody notice that? It's been kind of nice out lately. Well, yesterday I was, uh, I was grilling. Anybody else grill this weekend or going to grill today? Well, I was grilling, and I had my most honorable tool in my kitchen, out, ready to be used. You see, I, I don't know how all of your households are. For me, when I, when I get a piece of meat in my freezer, the most honorable way for it to go out is on the grill. Lo I love grilling, okay? And so th that might be different for you, for me, and for this illustration. I mean, if something's going on the grill, it's, it's the honor. And so this, this tool... We could call it an instrument used for a delicate, delicate process, a very important process. This tool, this instrument 
is one I would call honorable. And, I, you know, even as I say that, I think it's interesting because it's really not like that pretty. Right? I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, okay, you know, you can see it's probably gotten some grease on it before. It's like, you can tell it's been used. Maybe the dog chewed the wood up a little bit. Praise the Lord for that dog. <laughs> he really is a good boy. I love him. This thing, you know, it's, it's so interesting that its level of honor, to me, isn't even entirely dependent on what it looks like on the outside. I believe one of the things that makes us honorable, that qualifies us for honorable things, is not what we look like on the outside, but the characteristics and qualities on the inside of us that qualify us and make us able to fulfill the tasks that God wants to use the honorable things for. You know, I've got this, which I, I would, you know, we're calling it the honorable instrument today, okay? This is my honorable instrument. And, you know, as I think about the qualities and characteristics of this, you know, it's got the right size. It, it's sturdy. We could call it, you know, maybe say consistent. It works on a constant basis. You know, it has the strength within it. It's composed of the right stuff so that it, it can endure holding up a big slab of meat. You know, it, it's strong enough. It's not going to melt or fall apart when I put it into the hot fire. It's, it's been tested. It's been made sturdy, honorable for use. You know, I've got this other, um, let me see if I can find it in here. I've got this other pair <laughs> that will never go on the grill. This thing is never going to touch the grill. And, you know, the reason for that is because it doesn't have the right characteristics. It, it's not honorable enough to be used on the grill. And, and it's not that, you know, I don't want this in my house or that I couldn't, you know, use it for other things. There, there are still jobs I can do with this, but I can't do the same things with this that I can do with this. You know, I'm never going to be able to pick up like a half pound steak with this thing where I can with this. And it's not based on, you know, it's in my house or not. They're both there. Actually, this came from the church kitchen, if I'm being totally honest with you. <laughs> but for the illustration, they're both in the house. I have access to both, but I'm going to use this because it's effective. The effectiveness of this instrument is what qualifies it to be used for something honorable. And the effectiveness of us, the qualities that we grow into as Christians are going to determine our effectiveness in the jobs God wants us to do. And you know, I was going to get to this later, but since I got the bag, I'll just do it right now. I think it's important to know also that there are different kinds of instruments. You know, I've got, I've got my, uh, my spoon. You know, once again, kind of in the honor thing, you know, I might not use this to like serve anything. Right? I mean, I'm going to scoop a little bit of something and then it's going in the washer. But like this one, I mean, I can do a lot with this. It's got the right qualities, the right characteristics. Or we can go a little bit further even. And, and you know, I've got this little set of these tiny little uh, screwdrivers. Think I could build a house with this? Think I could... I, I can like, I can change out the screw on a watch with this. That's the only thing I use it for. But on the other hand, I've got this power drill. I can do a little bit more with this, can't I? It can be used for a task that, that is, you know, some would say, well, that's more important. Well, it's because this has the right characteristics. And here's the other thing I think, you know, 
These are used for different things, but both are very honorable, we could say. They're both very important. You know, God creates a diversity of people used for different tasks, used for different jobs, used for different good works. You know, it's good works, plural. There are multiple works that we're supposed to be utilized for. You were created for a work I wasn't created for. And I'm up here because I was created for a work that you weren't created for. To do this. And you were created to do something for God too. We get in trouble when we've got power drills. Or maybe, maybe we could even take it to this point and say we've got screwdrivers. That instead of pursuing a life as a drill, they say, well, you know, maybe it'd be easier to just beat the tongs. Maybe instead of, of moving up and on, or I could just try to be something else. Or instead of those, maybe, maybe I could just switch out my calling. Maybe I could just switch out what I think God wants to use me to do. Maybe, maybe I can just try to get some different characteristics instead of working on the ones that are already within me. It doesn't work that way. There's a scripture, and I'm like way off course in my notes right now, but there's a scripture that talks about the calling of God being irrevocable. I'm going to find it and read it to you. It's Romans 11:29. If we can pull that up. I mean, I basically just read you the scripture. It says the, the calling, there we go, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What God has created you for, what God has put on the inside of you is not something you can change. He create, he, you're his workmanship. He put you together with those qualities so that you, not so that you could change to be this when you're a screwdriver, but so that one day you could become this. He doesn't want you to switch to, to some other kind of work every time it gets harder, every time your qualities are challenged. He wants you to see yourself in light of what could be. See yourself in the power of grace that one day I can be a more honorable version of what I am today. I can move up in honor. Are you glad that we get to move up in honor in life? That God has greater for us tomorrow than what we're experiencing today. Need to see if I can get back on track this morning. Was that good for anybody? You see that? The importance of moving up in honor so you can be used for greater things. While also appreciating what it is God made you for. These are important things that we come to know. I want to give you this this morning. um, And this is probably what we will end with today is uh, there's a higher level of honor within my calling. Let's go to 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 11. This is, this is a pretty substantial amount of Scripture, and then we're going to talk about the process to become aware of righteousness, or we could say the process of becoming a more effective vessel, I hope is what you see as we read this together. Let's, let's read. Um, In view of all this, make every effort... <clears throat> To respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And I'm reading in the New Living Translation. And moral excellence supplement with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and with brotherly affection love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be. We could say the more honorable of a task you will be used for because as we saw it's those characteristics of of effectiveness of productivity that's that's what makes something able to be used for a more honorable task in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind 
That could be the, the dishonor. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance. We could say an honorable entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now when you first hear that, when we first read that, maybe you're thinking, oh man. Pastor Isaac's about to give me a list of all the stuff I got to do. That sounds like a lot of work. Let me start with this. Last week, uh, one of the main points in our message was about stopping the strive. You remember that? That it's, it's not all up to us to work it out and figure it out and do it all out of our own ability or out of our own knowledge. Stop the strive. I see here, you know, What it says is that the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. What I see with this is that dishonor really is, is just forgetfulness. Dishonor is blindness to what God has already done. You know, there are things that that we do to come into agreement with the Word of God. There are things that that we can act out to express what we know on the inside. But it has to start with the knowing. We're going to look, and and the first part in this process is faith. That's the knowing, the confidence in Christ. It starts there. It starts believing in God's grace for you. If you don't have that, if you don't believe in the grace and in the power of God, well, then you don't have anything to forget. You're just, you're blind. I don't want to be blind. I believe that as we see clearly and and we make the decision, like I said this a second ago, when we decide that our life is going to come into alignment, it's going to agree with God's word for us, that is when we see honor build and honor grow. That's when we see ourselves become more effective. It's not when I just figure something out for myself. It's when my life begins to be what God has called it. When I begin to take on his definition and live out that definition. And and I wanted to give you just, I guess this message just continues. Like I said, it builds on what we've been talking about the last few weeks. I think what I see throughout this passage is eight, eight items that build off of each other. Eight things that when we begin at faith, And we'll do these one at a time, and and we value each of these one at a time, and we're aware of each of these one in its right timing. Well, the Word says that it will keep us from falling away. The people that, that know this and believe this and live it out will never fall away. I never want to fall away. And he goes on, and beyond just never falling away, he says they will obtain a grand entrance into the kingdom of heaven. An honorable entrance, we could say, into the kingdom of heaven. I want to give you this process, as I saw it, to become aware of righteousness. We could say this, to become a more effective instrument. Would you say, I am the instrument? Do you believe that this morning? That we are the instrument of God, and He wants us to not just be an instrument. He wants us to be a more honorable instrument, used for more honorable purposes. Amen? The first that we see in 2 Peter 1, 5 is faith. It begins here. We already said that. It begins with faith in Christ Jesus. We have to have faith. We have to have trust. We have to have confidence in His completed work. 
That in what he did is the power for me to be what he said I am. Go on to the next point. The next thing we see is moral excellence. And what you're going to see as we go through this progression is that every single one of these builds upon the previous. Just like this teaching, just like the word, it builds on what was already there. Faith is the start, but then there must be a moral excellence. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 10, just to give you kind of a picture of, of the, the morality and excellent versus not excellent, says this, um, do, not, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, or sodomites, or thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, or rivalers, or extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. This is a picture of what excellent morality does not look like. Okay? So... You know, one, one way to approach this is you, you can look at this and those things that God would not approve of and say, well, are those in my life? No? Okay, well, then I, hopefully I've got the moral ground there. You know, we can know as we look to the Word what moral excellence looks like. And, and to be honest with you, here's how I would have been, you know, growing up and listening to messages. I just, I was always the person that was like, okay, just give me the list. Anybody like that in here? It's like, give me the list. Give me like the checklist of all the behaviors that are good and all the ones I'm not supposed to do. And I'll just check them off. And that's, that's how I'll know I'm doing good. I can't do that for you. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you who will tell you what moral excellence for you looks like. Because to be honest, I mean, I could take you through a few scriptures and I just gave you one for example of, of how you can find some things that are or are not of moral excellence. You need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and listen to what he's saying to you because what is moral excellence for, for you may be slightly different than what's moral excellence for me. There are things that, that I feel conviction about that I'm not going to do them or I won't say them because of my call, because of, of what God's made me. I'm not going to do that because it could disrupt what he wants to do with me. But that might not be the case for you. You know, there, there is a greater one that will explain moral excellence to us. And I'm not, I'm not going to try to do the Holy Spirit's job in your life. I'm going to let him do it because I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm a tong or a, a you know, power drill or something like that. Not the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about moral excellence and then live it out. Amen. That's the second part of this process of becoming aware of righteousness. And the other part of this, you know, I, I read a scripture here about unrighteousness. You're righteous because of Christ, not because of your behavior. You're in the house, not because of your behavior but because of what Jesus did. However, if we're going to become more effective, then we have to drop off some of the stuff that looks unrighteous. I'm not unrighteous on the inside, but if I have an unrighteous behavior, an unrighteous clump of dirt, and I'm about to run into the house, that needs to come off. Because I want to be honorable to God. It's not about getting in the house or not getting in the house. It's about how effective will I be once I'm in there. Let's look at our third point. The next thing that builds on is knowledge. The process of becoming aware of righteousness, becoming a more effective instrument. Knowledge, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper 
than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We need to know the Word so that we can discern, so that we can decide in how to live out its instruction. If we don't know it, we can't use it. If we don't know it, we can't live it. And so I think, you know, as, as, we, as we all want to live as Christians, everybody in here like wants to be a disciple of Christ. Everybody wants to grow as a disciple. You know, I think sometimes where, where we mistake this is, you know, maybe we can check a couple of these things off and we think, you know, I'm, I'm making it, I'm doing good. I, as I thought about this, I feel like this is kind of where we start losing people even in this day and age, in 2020, I feel like we lose people in this part of the process where, you know, people go to church and maybe they know that I'm supposed to be morally excellent. Maybe I know that there's some things I shouldn't do or I shouldn't say. There's some sin that I don't want to be part of as a Christian, but I don't continue in the process of becoming honorable by getting to know the word of God. To be honorable, to be usable, to have the characteristics that God needs me to have to go on and do greater, I have to know His Word. To be used as an honorable one in the house of the Lord, you have to know His Word. Let's go on. Number four, self-control is the next step in this process of becoming aware of our righteousness becoming a more effective vessel, self-control. 1 Corinthians 9, 27 says, But I discipline my body and bring it into submission, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You see, I, I keep seeing this building process. He had the faith. He, he began to, to, you know, he got the moral excellence. He knows what he's supposed to do, knows what he's not supposed to do. Um, knowledge, gaining knowledge of the word. He says, I, I preach to others. But it's this discipline, this self-control that I'm going to live out what I know. I'm going to live out this moral excellence. I'm going to live out the Word of God to be honorable. Because he says, if, if I'm not, if, if I'm not disciplining and, and controlling myself, my flesh, I might become disqualified from this honorable task. He's talking about being qualified for an honorable task. Preaching the Word, it's an honorable task. And in your line of work, in your life, there are honorable tasks that God wants to use you for. But it takes self-control to be one of those honorable instruments. To be an honorable vessel. It's consistency. Our next point, number five, patient endurance. Galatians 6 verse 9, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. The reaping comes, but we have to make it to the end of the process. That's what I see in the scripture. And I think where, where this falls apart for some people is, you know, I'm trying to be honorable. I'm, I'm trying to do the right things. I'm, I'm knowing the word. I'm speaking the word. I'm trying to use self-control, but I'm just so tired of it. Or I, I'm just so tired of dealing with what I'm dealing with. Maybe, maybe I could just do something different. Maybe I could change it up. Or it's like we were talking about earlier, like this, where we, we've got this screwdriver that's working on becoming the power drill. But man, it's just tough. How long, am I, how long is it going to take me to turn into that? How, how much is going to have to be adjusted before I could turn into that? It'd be a whole lot easier for me to just try and switch to be something else instead. And the problem with that is we don't move up 
in levels of honor. We don't move into the full calling of God on our life. How many of you want to move into the full calling of God in your life? Amen. And so self-control, patient endurance. The next one we see is godliness. We could say an inner response or reverence to God. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So it is grace. It is God's power working in us that makes us able to be honorable. But it must happen with a heart that is reverent and in awe towards God. This is that humility that we were talking about a couple weeks ago. I have to see God is the one who can do it. All this other stuff is, is just me trying to come in line with his word. But he is the one who does the doing. He is the one who, who gives the grace and the power to become honorable. And my response to that coming into my life, to God's grace coming into my life, is that I'm, I'm going to give him all glory. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to know that he is the one that gets the credit for this. That's, that's really kind of what it comes down to. This reverence and awe towards God is that I'm going to give him all credit for what's going on. I'm going to give him all credit when I turn into this power drill and I build a nice house. I'm not going to say, yeah, that's right. Look at me. I got the, got the light. I got different bits somewhere else. I've got, got that 20 volt battery. I'm looking good. No, it's, it's God making me honorable, utilizing me for honorable things. Praise God that he does. Use us for honorable things. Our next one that I see, we only have two more and then we're going to close this morning. Brotherly affection in 1 John 4.21 is the seventh. I know we're talking about a lot of steps here, a lot, of, a lot of points. But I believe these all build one on another. Brotherly affection in 1 John 4.21 says, In this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. <laughs> Because I think as we, you know, we become honorable, we're going to start being utilized for similar things. You know, if I were having dinner, I'd want to use both of these. You know, God's, his working in the earth, his plans in the earth, his purposes in the earth. He's going to use more of us. He's going to use multiple people. He's going to use your church family in the work he wants to do through you. It's not a solo effort. It's a team sport. It's a team endeavor. The whole family of God, a whole body of believers, a whole kitchen of utensils, a whole band full of instruments working together for the good work of God. And so it takes brotherly affection, brotherly love, sisterly, sibling kind of love for one another and appreciation for one another that we can work together on the same team in the same family to do the work of God. Amen. Aren't you glad we got a family to work with? And then the eighth point, finally, John 3.16 drives this one home. Love for everyone. I believe that this is how we become an effective instrument. A vessel that God can use for the most honorable purposes. Is a love. We have to have love for everyone. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It wasn't just for those of us in the room right here. It was for the whole world. He gave His Son because He loved the world. And when you and I are, are going to become honorable and used for honorable purposes, we have to have that love for the world. Because God's Purpose hasn't changed. 
He still loves the world. He still wants to save the world. He still wants those people that are out in the world to have everlasting life. And he wants to use you and me to accomplish that work. He sent Jesus so that the the work could be done. Now it's our job to go out and tell everybody about the work that Jesus did. That's ours. Jesus completed the work. He gave us grace. He he gave us redemption. We celebrated that this morning with communion. That the work is finished. But now we have to go and tell the whole world about it. That is our job. That is our good work. We're like a, a band of instruments created to sing about what God has done. And so this morning, as we close, I pray that we would see the value in becoming honorable instruments. Do you see that this morning? The value in becoming an honorable instrument for God, for His work, for His purposes. I believe God wants to use you and I. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a a preacher. I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor. I believe in every area of life, in every profession, God has good work to be done that will proclaim the message of Jesus across the world. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Be the salt and be the light. Slow the decay of sin and death. Go out and shine Jesus to the world. Let them see His glory. Let them see His light. If you're a farmer, be be the most productive farmer that you can be. Have the highest yields. Do well and give all the glory to God. And give. And use what you know to bless the world. If if you're a teacher, mold the, the children in any way you can. Share with them. How good God is. Be someone that that is a a beacon of hope, of love where there is none in some of their lives. What an opportunity to preach the gospel. If you're in the professional world, be, be one of those that are morally excellent, above reproach, that no person is even surprised when you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Because they see that light of God inside of you. That the way you conduct yourself, the way you live things out, is, is so right. It, it's, it's godly in nature. That you're being the light. You're shining to them. Any area that you live in or work in, you can be the light. You can preach. You know, there's that quote. And I'm going to quote Pastor Dave, who quoted Pastor Jeff. Preach the word always and use words if you have to. Mm-hmm. Preach the word always, constantly, and use words if necessary. Our life should preach the message of Jesus, shouldn't it? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you that we are in your house, that by grace we've been brought into your kingdom. We have joined your family. We've been given the key. And Lord, because we're part of that family, because we're instruments in your house, now we can be used. Those vessels of gold and silver, wood and clay, Lord, for honorable and less honorable things, Lord. We, you want to use us all. We thank you for that, God. I pray that right now as we take this moment in time, as we seek you and we listen to you, Lord, you would begin speaking to us about what our honorable calling is. We know you want to move us up in levels of honorable works. We know you have greater in store for our tomorrow than what we are doing today. And God, I pray that not only would you show us what that next honorable thing is, God, but you would also 
show us in this process of becoming effective how we might make ourselves a more honorable instrument, a more effective instrument, so that we can fulfill that greater call, that greater work that is ahead of us tomorrow. Lord, we don't want to remain as we are today. We want to grow. We want to develop. We want to become sanctified, honorable instruments to be used for your good works. Lord, we know that you will speak to our hearts. You will reveal this to us today because we ask you, if you're in here and you want to become more honorable so that you can be utilized for more honorable, I just want you to pray this along with me and say, God, Show me how I might become more honorable so that I am qualified for the more honorable good work that you have in store for me. I thank you for being the giver of grace, for bringing me into your house and making me able to grow. I love you, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to pray over our food, and I hope you guys will all join us out in the Redemption Center right after service for our meal today. I think we're having sirloin burgers and chips and beans and whatever else has been prepared. It's going to be good. So please join us out there. We'd love to have um, you join us and spend time fellowshipping together. Let's pray over our food and then we will dismiss. Father God, we thank you for this word and this message we received today. We pray that you would bless our time in fellowship, in, in relationship with one another as one body, one group of believers, a family. Lord, we thank you for this family. We go and we will spend that time together, together this afternoon, Lord. We pray that it would be blessed. We pray also that you would bless this food we're about to eat. Let it be nourishment, health, and strength to our bodies. I pray that it would strengthen us and equip us to go and do the good works that you've laid out before us today. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen. Go and be blessed. You are dismissed. Who am I?